Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, church, and welcome to Hatchbend Apostolic Church Wednesday night, Light for Living. We're certainly very, very delighted that you were able to tune in with us tonight and join us in the house of the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight from a thought taken from the book of Leviticus, chapter 24. We'll be reading verses 1 through 4. I want to hold my title perhaps until the end, and we'll just use Leviticus 24, 1 through 4 as sort of a jumping off point. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continuously. Without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation shall Aaron order it from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. The book of Leviticus, specifically chapter 24, is a collection of religious laws with topics ranging from tabernacle procedures in verses 1 through 9 to serious crimes like blasphemy in verses 10 through 16. Chapter 24 begins with a reiteration of a commandment earlier given unto Moses in Exodus 27. It's very important that early on here in the onset tonight that we establish something. Any time that the Word of God repeats something, any time that the Word of God repeats itself, it is not by happenstance and it's certainly not by accident that it does this. The Word of God repeats something in order to signify a significant importance. Its purpose in that is to remind the reader or the hearer of a very important matter. And so we'll read Exodus 27, verses 20 through 21, and it's very important that we note the phraseology that is used here. The Bible says, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always in the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil which is before the testimony. Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. It's very important to note here the phraseology. It is to be a lasting statute. The Hebrew phrase used here is a common refrain that is used in biblical law. It's used to emphasize the enduring nature of a decree, and it is used to underscore the importance of continued observance. 
Leviticus 24 and verses 1 through 4. Repeat Exodus 27, 20 through 21, almost word for word. And here is where we'll focus the majority of our study tonight. It does this in verse 2, requiring the people to provide the oil for the lamp. Now, when we read the book of Leviticus, it's very, very easy when we read references to the priesthood in Scripture, especially if we're not necessarily or feel necessarily called to a pulpit ministry. Our minds tend to drift to other matters during that time. Perhaps you've not been called to necessarily pulpit ministry. And so if you read the book of Leviticus, where we are primarily speaking of the Levitical priesthood, you could argue that there are items referring to the priesthood that would not necessarily apply to you. But before you disconnect tonight, and God forbid, before you tune out on me, let's just look at a few things here. Doubtless, there were things, certain offices that were exclusive to Moses, Aaron, and to Aaron's sons. There were certain responsibilities that were specific to their calling and to their election. There were attributable functions of the service of the tabernacle that one could point the finger to one singular person or group of persons. However, the service of the tabernacle was not exclusive. God did not exclude anyone from the overall responsibility of carrying out the mandates and the services of the tabernacle. Perhaps one could even argue that one of the most important functions in all of this was what we're talking about here tonight, and that was providing the light. And so for the sake of oversimplification, let's take a, take a look at a few very practical examples. First, the light from the lampstand. It would afford the opportunity the, for the priest to operate inside the tabernacle at optimum accuracy. You see, without light, he could not see where he was going, and he could not see what he was doing to perform the specific duties and functions specific to him. You see, the inner court of the tabernacle had no windows, and so the opportunity for even deflected light, for even ambient light was not possible. And so, in other words, inside the holy place, inside the tabernacle, the light would not be on accident, but the light would be necessary and the light would be on purpose. It would not be produced by accident, but the light would be produced intentionally. It is certainly something that we could all take for granted. It's something that Perhaps we're even taking for granted right here where we are tonight. The ability to see in a dark place. The ability to have light to see in a dark place. I mean, it's pretty common that we all have electricity. We all have the ability to have electricity in our homes. And so we're afforded the ability to have light in darkness. When the sun goes down, we simply flip a switch and the lights come on. We simply do that without thinking. But I'm here to tell you tonight, and certainly not to insult your intelligence, but that didn't happen by accident. 
Those lights didn't just come on with the flip of your switch. Those lights did not happen by accident. Someone invented electricity. They harnessed the power needed to make electricity. They built substations and they ran power lines. They dug holes and they erected poles and they directed the power to your house. The electricity that is produced just in our homes to produce light was not produced by accident. We do this because it's important. It's important to us to have light in darkness. Having light in the dark is important. Being able to see where you're going in the dark is important. It's important to see where you're going and what you're doing. And so the light in the tabernacle was just as important. Arguably, the light was the most important, or certainly one of the most important additives to make all of the functions work at optimum cohesiveness in the tabernacle. But there was something that afforded that light to take place. There was something that afforded the light to shine in the darkness, in the midst of the tabernacle. And the Bible says that that something would be the oil. The light was the byproduct of the oil and a source of heat. The oil is what maintained the flame needed to illuminate inside the tabernacle. And it was to be pure, beaten olive oil. The olive oil was to be clear, and it was to be free of any particulates. You see, to make this oil, olives were pounded into that pulp. They were crushed either by hand or in a pestle or by using an olive press. And then that oily pulp was then filtered through a strainer. But hear me tonight, that oil, those olives had to come from somewhere and they had to come from someone. Leviticus 24 and 1 through 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive, beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continuously. That light was to illuminate. That light was to bring power. That light was to bring light into a dark place. But that light was not supposed to only burn once, but that light was supposed to burn continuously. It was to be a perpetual flame. It was to be an ever-burning flame. But what caused that light to burn continuously was not only the amount of oil. No, it was not only the fact that it was sheer volume that would continually burn, but it was the fact that it was a continuous supply of pure oil. You see, the primary theme of the book of Leviticus is holiness. Holiness is mentioned over 90 times in the book, and the ceremonial cleanliness is mentioned an additional 45 times. In the King James Bible, the word holy occurs more times in the book of Leviticus than any other Old Testament book. Leviticus is there to teach the people Leviticus was there to teach the people the difference between holy and unholy, clean and unclean. And it reiterates time and time again that the measure of holiness is only measured by God's own holiness. The book in and of itself offers hope in the form of ceremonies. It offers hope in the form of rituals and practices that celebrate the covenant and bring God's grace into contact 
with the everyday world. Let me say that again. The book offers hope, ceremonies, rituals, and practices, a covenant that brings the grace of God into contact with the everyday world. God promised them that if they would carry out these commandments in faith, he promised them that he would cleanse them from their sin, that he would forgive their unrighteousness, and he would declare their holiness. Furthermore, the book of Leviticus points towards the cross. It points to the future cross and gives us, even here today, hope that we approach, and when we approach God in faith, and we approach God on his terms, we too can be made a holy people. The book points towards the cross, and it tells us that if we will go to God in faith, and if we will approach God the way he intended for us to approach unto him, that he too would call us a holy people. We too here in 2020 would be made a people that Peter proclaimed would be a holy nation, that would be a royal priesthood, a peculiar people called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, it's all about the light. Everything that we do, everything that we say must point toward the light. The light was then, just as it is now, absolutely imperative. And it must be consistently present. Therefore, it would require a continuous supply of pure oil to ensure the flame would not cease to shine. And so perhaps we could all understand what it's like to have light in a dark place. We could even take it for granted. We could also understand what it's like to move in literal, natural darkness. However, we can also attest to the fact that there's sometimes that we let the lights go out on purpose. At night, just for practical purposes. No one likes to sleep with the lights on. I like to sleep in utter darkness. And so as the night begins to come to a close we can all attest to turning off the lights and turning them off on purpose. You see, our, it's our natural tendency to turn the lights off to sleep, but in contrast, God ordered the children of Israel to burn the candles continuously. Specifically, in the book, Aaron was to order it from evening until morning. He was to put them in order and burn them from evening until morning, when the natural tendency would be allowed to be allowed to burn out or to be snuffed out or to be turned off through the night. Perhaps when the camp was asleep and everything was quiet, it would be the natural tendency to want to turn those lights off. No one is here. No one is present. We don't need the light. But God said, order the lamp, order the lamps, order the oil, and let it burn continuously from evening until morning. Don't let them burn out. Order the oil and keep the lamps burning. Can I tell you tonight, in comparison, we too can ill afford to allow the spirit and the presence and the light of God to go out in our lives and in the lives around us. But what it takes and what it's going to take to keep the lights burning and keep them on has got to come from somewhere. And it must be from a pure source. 
As I've already stated, there were specific duties that were attributed to some. There were specific offices that were given to some. However, there was something that did not necessarily have a name attached to it. It did not necessarily have names attached to it. But there was something present that was available to all. God commanded Aaron and his sons, along with Moses, to specific duties and functions within the the congregation. They were to lead the people. They were to hear from God, and they were to instruct the people. But the people were not given a free pass. Yes, it was in their best interest, and it was in their commandment to garner sacrifices for themselves and for their families. However, just as important, they had an obligation to the congregation. All of the children of Israel would be responsible for supplying the continuous supply of pure olive oil. Not just specific names, not just a handful, not just a select few, but it was something that was available and mandated to all. And so practically speaking, Practically speaking, in that context, it would be inconceivable to think that only a handful of people could beat enough olives the way that they were to be beaten to keep a continuous supply of oil flowing. And so can I tell you tonight that is still true today? Can I tell you tonight that baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, saint of God, you too have a responsibility and an obligation as a child of God to supply the oil needed and necessary to keep the light burning in your life and in others. Spiritually speaking, we do not only have a responsibility to ourselves and to our families, but we have a responsibility to the ministry and to the congregation of God. We have a responsibility to keep the oil coming, to keep the fire burning, and keep the light shining. And so practically speaking, in this context, please forgive me, but it is inconceivable to think that the pastor can do all the praying all on his own. It is inconceivable to think that the ministry teams can do all the discipleship of people. Hear me tonight. If we are going to evangelize the city and if we are going to effectively minister to the community for the cause of Christ, we all have a hand, we all have a responsibility to supply the anointing necessary to bring it to pass. I believe that our greatest example of this is found in Scripture and I believe that our greatest example is found in the first century church. Their approach to evangelism their approach to ministry, and their approach to the Word. Their approach was unified. Their efforts were unified. They were unified in prayer. They were unified in evangelism. They were unified in fellowship. And hear me now, they were unified no matter the circumstances. Acts 2, 41 through 47. Then they that, were, that gladly received his Word were baptized, And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. 
and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Later, the church would suffer persecution at the hands of Saul. But the Bible says of them in Acts 8 and 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Hear me tonight. God intended for this to be carried out. He intended for this to be carried out together. And God intended for this to be carried out no matter the circumstances. God meant for us to carry out the mandate that is upon our lives together. He did not design the church to function on just a few faithful people. God designed the church not just to exist on just a few faithful, but God designed the church to thrive with the entirety of the body working together in complete unity. We need the light, and the world around us needs the light. And the only way that they are going to see it, and the only way that they are going to experience it, is through and under the unction and the anointing of God. And it's under that anointing, that anointing that breaks the yoke, that anointing that comes from a pure place, that anointing of God it is through that anointing that we can and that we will accomplish what God has set us up to accomplish. And we'll all do it through the body of Christ. You see, a natural body, it certainly cannot effectively function with only a few of its members functioning. Even if those members are functioning at full capacity. For instance, if all of the organs within a natural human body are functioning at full power, but the hands and the feet are lame, then movement is hindered. Yet on the flip side of that, if the hands and the feet are without malady or the hands and the feet are without lameness or malaise, yet that heart and the lungs and the liver are no longer functioning the way that they are supposed to, blood cannot be supplied to the limbs of that body for movement. The overarching dynamic of the church, the overarching dynamic of the body, the church of the living God, is movement and growth. The tabernacle in the wilderness was designed to be mobile and not stationary. Israel moved through the wilderness. They moved with a pillar of fire by night. They moved with a pillar of a cloud by day. They moved in optimal circumstances, and they moved in less than desirable circumstances. But nonetheless, they moved when the Lord said move. The church of the living God is designed to be mobile and not stationary or stagnant. And so within the body, there should always be movement, and there should always be growth. Now, if you can just allow me just a little bit of latitude here for a moment. I am not necessarily speaking 
of numerical growth. There will obviously be seasons and times when the church does not grow numerically. I am not speaking specifically of that here tonight. Notwithstanding, a deeper connection to God and one another must always be taking place within the body. Hear me. I know from where I'm speaking from tonight. Disconnect will always lead to spiritual death. And likewise, spiritual death and stagnancy always lead to disconnect. You cannot have one without the other. We must be connected. And we must be in the body of Christ. And so how do we get into the body of Christ? And how do we stay connected? Well, first, we must repent of our sins. And when we have repented of our sins, then we are baptized in Jesus' name. And then we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the initial sign of speaking with other tongues. But then, then is where the real, real test comes. It's now that we must adopt a sense of ownership to the body. We have to do this through meaningful relationships and responsibility to the body. In other words, relationships, commitment, and if I can say this word, work. Relationships, commitment, and work. That is what will connect us and keep us connected to the body. Can I say it like this tonight? It's time to press some olives. If I can say it like this, it's time to contribute to the kingdom. It's time to put your hands into something meaningful for the work and the glory of God. It's time to commit yourself to prayer. It's time to commit myself to prayer. It's time to commit ourselves to outreach. It's time to commit ourselves to inreach. Hear me tonight. If you're a man, you ought to commit yourself to other men. If you're a lady, you ought to commit yourself to other ladies. Young people, I implore you, commit yourselves to other young people of like precious faith and attach yourself to an elder who has walked this life and has walked this life and proven its truthfulness. And if I can implore you, elder, attach yourself and commit yourself to a young person, a young man, or a young lady and live your life in front of them for a testimony of God's true faithfulness. And then together... Together, let's commit ourselves to each other and let's commit ourselves to this world for a testimony of God's love and his commitment toward them to pull them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I believe that we can do it and I believe that we can do it together. I believe that together we can grow and I believe that together we can increase in our love for the word of God I believe that together we can give more. And I believe that together we can walk in the light of God's divine direction. Here is the reason for all of this tonight. The whole purpose, the whole reason that the tabernacle existed in the Old Testament was for the sanctification of the people. It would be done through obedience to God's word and to his law. Can I tell you tonight that that is why the church exists? We were not saved to sit. We were not saved just to be saved. But we were saved so that we could reach out into a lost and dying world. The tabernacle existed 
namely to sanctify the people, to bring mercy and grace to the people. Many articles were commanded to be made. Many articles were made and fashioned and instituted into the tabernacle. Aaron and his sons, the Levitical priesthood, were given specific instructions and duties to carry out in the service of God. What one of them in which we're speaking of tonight is the lighting of the lamps. But the congregation, the children of Israel, contributed to everything that was placed into the temple for service. Their responsibility did not just fall on a few faithful to fulfill the purpose and the mandate of God. It was an all-hands-on-deck. It was an all-involved approach. God placed into the hearts of the people skills, abilities, and desire to contribute, to take part in the work of the Lord. And I believe that God is still doing that today. Our theme for this year at Hatchbin Apostolic Church is not by accident. Our 2020 theme is simply this, together we can. And I'll just be candid for a moment and tell you that it would seem as if since the dawning of this year, of 2020, that that goal of that sentiment is being threatened at every turn with our current events that are taking place in this world. However, I have seen and I have heard, and not a few times, but many, during all of this, in the secular world, the sentiment and belonging and longing to be together. I've heard it countless times. We're in this together. And so I believe that that's what's telling us here tonight. I believe that the church has been presented with its greatest challenge. I believe that the church has been presented with a monumental challenge. Yet, at the same time, I believe that the church has been presented with its greatest opportunity. I believe that this world is looking for what we have here tonight. I believe that the world is groping in the darkness and they are trying and they are attempting to find the light. The light, that's what's important. The light, that's what is needed. The light, it must be and it must be consistently present. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John 8 and 12. And he said, any man that follows after me shall not walk in darkness, but he would walk in that light. That light that is mentioned in Exodus 27 and Leviticus 24 represents God's divine presence and God's divine direction. And it further reiterates over again that without the constant and consistent presence of God, nothing of any note can take place. Ministry cannot effectively take place. I'm here to tell you tonight that ministry cannot effectively take place without the pure presence of God to cause that light to shine into the hearts of man. There is absolutely nothing that can change the heart of man but that true light. And hear me tonight, true ministry can only be administered by the church of the living God. And so I've come here tonight to say this. 
If this is the only thing you hear me say tonight, please hear me. Wherever you are tonight, can I tell you something? I want to tell you that you have a purpose. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself tonight, you have a purpose and you have a place. You have a purpose and you have a place and it is in the body of Christ. And furthermore, you have something to contribute into that body. You have something to give and you have something to give to the body. You have a voice that needs to be heard and you need to say it and you need to speak it through the unction of the Holy Ghost, through the power of his spirit. And so I save my title to the end here and I want to give it to you now. My title tonight is simply this, Together We Can. But if I could take it one step further, together we must. Together we can, but together we must. We must reach this world. We must give ourselves to the cause and the cause of Christ. We must give ourselves to God continually, and we must give ourselves to God wholly. And we must contribute what God has anointed us to do. Hear me tonight. The church is not on hiatus. The church is not stalled. But the church is on its way somewhere. The church is going somewhere out of this world. Because most literally, this world is not our home. We are just literally passing through. And so can I tell you tonight, while we're doing that... Where we're, while we're moving and while we're growing, let's do what God has called us to do. And let's do what God has gifted us to do. Let's devote ourselves to the Word of God. Let's devote ourselves to prayer. And let's give God everything that we have. And let's do it together in Jesus' name. Let's pray together right now. And let's ask the, word, the Lord to seal this Word in our heart, to touch our hearts and our minds together. Lord Jesus, we love you. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power, God. And we thank you for the promise of your presence. We're asking you now to touch our hearts and our minds together. Give us the abilities, the desires to do and to carry out what you've, what you've called us to do, Lord. Help us to join hands with the ones next to us. Help us to commit ourselves to you and to each other. And help us to do it, God, in Jesus' name. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. I want to thank you again for being in service with us tonight. We certainly don't take it for granted. And we hope to see you soon. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.